everyone, welcome. This is James Baca, and welcome to another edition of the Notorious Banker Podcast. Happy 2023. Get this, 30,000 plus amazing followers across my social media channels. We've got 22,000 plus at Notorious Banker on TikTok, 3,300 plus at Bank Better Guy on Twitter, 4,000 plus at Notorious Banker on Instagram. I am the author of High Risk Transaction, the Ryan Coogler Bank of America Incident, now available in paperback form and in Kindle format on Amazon. I am also writing a couple of other books. As I've mentioned to you before on this podcast, I'm trying to get to 10 books published by the age of 40. I got three months to go and I got three in the works to get me to 10, so I'm really excited about that. But guys, thank you so very much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Took an extended holiday break. You know, it's one of those things where my wife actually is off for two weeks. Uh, We have our nieces and nephews hanging out with us. College basketball, a couple of miles down the road. I just got enthralled in it. Not a lot going on in the banking world. Uh, But of course, January um, comes on strong. We've got earnings reports with banks coming up next week. And there's always freaky stories. Like the Ryan Coogler incident that I wrote a book about happened in January it didn't it didn't kind of you know become public until March but that's just the way it goes with some of these things so far um, we're gonna talk about a very similar incident that happened to Dion Rabowin a reporter for the Wall Street Journal who was handcuffed and detained by Phoenix police outside of Chase Bank now we don't talk a lot about Chase on this podcast mainly because Chase isn't in my footprint I am familiar with them. I am a customer of theirs. There's a lot of shit that they do wrong, and uh, we really should focus a lot more on them instead of, of course, my former employer, Bank of America. But um, this was wrong, and finding out about this story through um, my many followers on social media that work for the Wall Street Journal, it, you know, and, and that's a cool thing. It's cool to be doing this thing for the last five years and having people follow you and you follow them and you get to find out these things and you can actually provide context now i never worked a day um for chase in my life i do have a former co-worker from bank of america that actually works at jp morgan the quote investment arm of chase in the phoenix area i didn't talk to him about this but i am familiar with the company based on the conversations that we've had um, so, DeAndre Bowen, Wall Street Journal reporter, was arrested and detained by Phoenix police. Not necessarily arrested, but he was detained. Um, and it was frustrating, and it definitely was um, profiling. It definitely was a lot of things. But what I want to focus on, and I'm going to read the, the clip of the story on the next segment, is not necessarily how the police acted, because we know that some police just act like fucking idiots, and this guy was an idiot that was um, that was arresting this reporter here. You could just tell, you know, you could, you could just see it in his eyes and his demeanor. Um, but Chase has a lot to do with, you know, this reporter getting handled like that. And it's really frustrating to me. And knowing what branch bank procedures are, being a former manager, knowing what that entails to have the cops called on you, for instance. Um, you know, calling the cops on someone, I guess is what I should say. Um, I understand what they did, and what they did was they put that reporter's life in danger. So I'm going to get into that topic on the next segment. Um, Plus, we also have another segment with um, a Wells Fargo executive in India. This is the weirdest story ever. Arrested and detained in India for urinating on a 70-year-old woman mid-flight between New York and New Delhi in India. 
it is a weird story, and I, I understand it's a whole other country, but it is Wells Fargo. And Wells Fargo actually did the right thing here by terminating this guy, but we're going to get into the story. We're going to talk about just, I guess, I don't know, the personality complex that a lot of higher-up executives, quote-unquote vice presidents, whatever you want to call them, have with big banks. It's It's weird. It's something that I strive to be. I strive to be an executive. I strive to be that dude flying from town to town, state to state, country to country, doing banking on behalf of a humongous company. And you get to interact with these people over the course of your career. And all I can say is I would just look at some of these guys and go, God damn, what's wrong with them? <laughs> and you, you've seen it. You've seen the the smoothie guy from Bank of America. There was another B of A executive arrested for soliciting a 15-year-old girl for sex in an Oklahoma hotel. Um, I'm still trying to locate the article for that. That was quite the big story whenever I was still working at B of A. And then this gentleman from Wells Fargo urinating on a senior citizen mid-flight. It's insane. It's kind of just one of those ha-ha, you can't believe it's true stories. But we're going to talk about it, you know, not in great detail, but we're just going to kind of, you know, go over the, the particulars that we do know. But I really want to focus on this Dion Rabot Wall Street Journal story um, because I feel that I have a lot of insight to, to give on it. And um, I'll do that right after this brief promotional consideration, so please stick around. Hey everyone, it's James Baca, known professionally as the Notorious Banker, inviting you to join me on TikTok. My TikTok channel is at Notorious Banker. Join the more than 20,000 amazing followers on my channel as I talk about bank topics and give you a little humor and information in the meantime. Um, being a 13-year former associate of a bank, I can tell you a lot of stories that happen, and I do tell you a lot of stories that are um, a little weird, a little bizarre, a little vulgar on that TikTok channel. And I also give you information about which banks to avoid to talk about bank news of the day. And I interact with a lot of people and I answer questions for my followers um, in the comments. It's something that I'm really proud of. We got over half a million likes on this channel already. And you know, there's, there's some videos that have gotten over a million views and I'm really proud of that. It goes to show you that a lot of people love talking about banks. A lot of people love talking about their money and a lot of people love talking about how crappy those banks can be. So follow my TikTok channel at Notorious Banker and join the more than 20,000 followers who already do and have some fun with me. Yours truly, the Notorious Banker. All right, everyone, and I'm back with more Notorious Banker. Um, one thing I did want to mention was I did record some podcasts about the Emily Flitter book, um, and they are going to be posted intermittently throughout the coming weeks. I'm doing a couple of chapters um, and then doing a podcast on those couple of chapters. So there's going to be several podcasts that are going to be in the can and ready to go. So Oliver Darcy, CNN business reporter, yesterday morning, um, he published a story. I heard about it a couple of days before, like everyone else. A Wall Street Journal reporter was handcuffed by police while standing outside a Chase Bank. The newspaper is demanding answers. Now, one thing I got to say is I do have a really good relationship. Uh, you know, not like friendships, but I have talked to several Wall Street Journal reporters during my time as a notorious banker. I think that um, they they respect me as a as a source. I, I don't know I don't know how else to put it. They know that the things that I talk about are things that are meaningful to me, and I'm not just some you know crazy guy ranting and raving on the on the side of the road. You know th these are things that I believe because of my experience working in the banking industry. So whenever I can provide insight to a story like this, I want to. And when it's one of their own people that gets detained, 
outside a bank for honestly basically just being african-american it's really frustrating it's really frustrating and all i can tell you is you know freedom of the press you know that's one thing trespassing on private property i don't know and we'll get into that in a second but just having the conversation with customers and and i think that's what chase got a little uppity about chase got a little pissed off because this reporter was asking questions of of their clients planting that seed i hate that fucking word seed you know when i worked at b of a that's all we talked about you need to plant a seed that way they can think about you know buying a home and maybe that seed will grow into a home loan opportunity for you he wasn't trying to influence people one way or the other with the questions that he was asking yet a police officer puts him in handcuffs puts him in the back of police car basically manhandles and basically just in a demeaning way just talks down to him Simply because he's a reporter just trying to do his job. Here's Oliver Darcy's story I will link to in the show notes. It says the Wall Street Journal is demanding answers from the Phoenix Police Department after an officer detained and handcuffed one of its reporters outside of Chase Bank. An incident that press freedom advocates say the First Amendment concerns and mirrors a large, larger growing hostility from law enforcement towards journalists across the country. The incident between the journal reporter Dion Rabowin and the Phoenix officer occurred in late November and just became public this week after ABC affiliate KNXV, Channel 15, I believe, uh, reported on the matter. In a statement, the journal said that it is deeply concerned with how the reporter was treated, and he asked the Phoenix Police Department to conduct an investigation. Quote, no journalist should ever be detained simply for exercising their First Amendment rights. So, you know, the Phoenix Police Department, of course, is saying that they did an investigation, and they stressed that nothing happened, you know that they follow procedure and that very well could be the case but sometimes procedures aren't necessarily correct do you know what i mean like procedures are there it's like amendments to the constitution you know things can be changed if you feel things are going right well the 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 power of of the written word is hey you know what you can you can alter it if you feel that things aren't right and if everyone agrees and signs off on it well then so be it then make those changes so if they feel that they followed standard operating procedure, okay, I, I'll, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. However, sure as shit doesn't look like it. You know, if someone is, is trespassing on private property, you just say, you know, get out of here. I'm going to give you a warning before I arrest you. It never, it never even got to that point. It was, put your hands behind your back, get in my police car. That shit is scary. I don't care who you are, what you're doing. The simple fact that Whatever the, the the bank did, whatever Chase did to warrant a phone call to the police department, and whatever they said pretty much prompted that cop to be a dick face, period, end of story. It's, and it says, on the, at the crux of this particular matter is a rather innocent act of journalism. While visiting family in Arizona for the Thanksgiving holiday, Rabowin, who is black, attempted to interview passersby on a sidewalk outside a Chase branch, for an ongoing story about savings accounts, he told the Phoenix affiliate. Representatives from the bank approached him and asked him what he was doing, and Rabowin said he identified himself as a journalist. Rabowin said he was never asked to leave, but an officer soon arrived on the scene. Rabowin said he volunteered to simply stop reporting from the scene, but video captured by a bystander shows the responding officer handcuff him, put him in the back of a police vehicle, and even threatened to shove him in if he did not comply. The video shows Rabowin repeatedly identifying himself as a reporter for the Wall Street Journal, but the officer did not appear to care. The bystander who began recording the incident was also threatened with arrest. 
Ultimately, for about 15 minutes when other officers showed up, Rabone was allowed to walk free. But a representative for Chase told me Thursday that the bank did apologize to Rabone over the incident. But the local police department has thus far refrained from doing so. Of, of course they did. They're a bunch of fucking idiots. Period. End of story. Excuse my language if I get a little angry at the police department here. They can do no wrong, right? The police department can't say, yeah, you know what, we, we looked at it and... We probably could have handled ourselves better. We could probably listen to him. But no, it's the bank, right? Anytime the bank calls the police, God forbid, it must be a robbery. It must be something untoward going on at Chase Bank. So he was on the sidewalk. And that's the thing. You know, is it is it private property? Is it public property? Well, well, for me, the sidewalk, the actual sidewalk. And, and I saw the I saw the video. And, you know, he's pretty close to the bank. I, I don't know where the sidewalk ends and the road begins. It's a country song, by the way. I, um, I, I, I don't know what's private and what's public property. So here's the thing. My parking lot at my B of A in New Mexico it has a huge parking lot. But there's also a sidewalk that leads, I guess it's, nor it's east and west. And the parking lot is north-south. So whenever you're crossing the sidewalk... There's a moment on the sidewalk when it becomes darker road, which is their parking lot pavement. And I guess technically for that two seconds, you're stepping on private property. Now, we don't know the property lines of these things. We don't understand who owns the building or who doesn't own the building. I can tell you for the most part, branches like Chase or Bank of America, a lot of times lease out buildings. So they're not the owners. You know, someone else actually owns the building. Might be if it was owned by someone else. Um, so that part, I don't know. I, I, I don't know when they say that if he was on the sidewalk, if he was legitimately on the sidewalk, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Okay. I would just imagine that there's some conversation whenever you're a reporter that says, Hey, make sure you don't trespass on private property. You know, if you're going to a sidewalk, if you're knocking on the door of someone's house and they ask you to leave, well, then you leave. But the thing with it is, and, and, and this is the, this is the reason why I want to talk about this story. The, the police acting like idiots, that's, that's a given, you know, and that's, that's a conversation for someone else to have. Um, I, of course, I've had them a million times since 2020, and, and I really feel, especially with the Ryan Coogler Bank of America incident, an incident that I wrote a book about, that I'm familiar with how cops treat people just simply on appearance alone, and just simply based on the 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 bits and pieces of information that are given by the other person calling 911 or whatever but that's the thing here okay that's the thing the, the one thing i can tell you is the two chase employees that asked him what he was doing i will bet every dollar in my bank account which is not a lot of money i will bet every dollar in my bank account that they did not call 911 it's weird right it's a weird it's a weird thing to state it's true though so here's the thing, and and I'm sure Dion Rabowen, <clears throat> excuse me, has um, learned about this. If not, I'm gonna tell you what a procedure is at, at a bank, especially if there's media that's asking you questions and you're not allowed to speak on behalf of the bank, or if there's a vagrant that's passed out on the sidewalk, for instance. I'm not, you know, I'm I'm not calling Dion a vagrant. I'm just saying if there's someone passed out on your sidewalk, or if an old person slips on the ice. Um, if it's something that's not a holy shit, someone's dying emergency, this is the procedure for Chase Bank. And, and 
of course, whenever you call the cops, you have to file incident reports and all that bullshit. <clears throat> so, the Chase employees go out and say, hey, yeah, what are you doing, sir? And then he goes, I'm a reporter for the Wall Street Journal, and I'm doing a story on And I'm going to get to the story in a second, because it's an interesting one, too. And they go, oh, okay. And then, if they're following their, quote, guidebook, their, their employee handbook, I can tell you the Chase is, is 100% similar to Bank of America, that... While handling media requests or media on the premises. Okay, let's call our corporate security. So at Bank of America, if this situation happened, I don't call the cops if I feel that this guy isn't who he says he is. I call corporate security and go, yeah, I, I have a gentleman here. You know, he's 5'10". He's, um, you know, African-American, 150 pounds. He's wearing white shirt and, and, and blue shorts. Um, he claims to be a reporter for the Wall Street Journal. He is talking to some of our clients. We don't know what he's talking about. He said he was talking about this and that, uh, but we're not sure. So you call corporate security, and corporate security, there are a bunch of idiots on there too. You know, yeah, they they spend most of their time responding to accidental alarm trips. Like if I forget to put my security code in at the bank um, correctly, whenever I'm trying to open the bank, they call and say, hey, you know, is everything okay over there? And they probably have to deal, do that like 500 times a day. So most of the calls are stupid. So they get this like, oh, yeah, someone, you know, you know, interacting with customers as they walk out or inside the bank and they're sitting there talking to them for a long time. And some people are talking to him. Some people are not. What's going on? What what is going on over here? So the employees. The, the employees at Chase call corporate security and go, OK, so this guy says that he's with Wall Street Journal, but he's talking to reporters um, he didn't have a, a reporter pass, press, pass. I don't know if he did or not. And I and if I didn't catch on the articles, I'm sorry. But let's just say that he didn't. He didn't have a pass. He didn't have credentials. He didn't have a business card that said that. He just said he's with the Wall Street Journal and he's asking questions of our customers about X, Y, and Z. Okay, uh, and then your name? Okay, my name is James Baca. Um, I'm the manager here at this branch. Okay, sounds good. James Baca, he says that there's a person... Interrupting customers while they're walking in and walking out, asking them questions, keeping them from their cars or whatever. Okay, so then that that corporate security person hangs up with the bank because they don't they don't tell the the employees, yeah, go kick them out. Just tell them get the fuck out of here and don't ever come back. They don't tell you that because they don't want to put you in danger or whatever. So basically, what happens? Are these these employees are just sitting there? It's like I wonder what corporate security is going to do because they didn't give us instructions of what they're going to do. And then corporate security, some asshole that's probably in California or Florida or somewhere. I don't know where they're at in Chase. They call Phoenix PD, whatever Phoenix PD is. You know, area code four eight zero whatever. Let's go. You know, you know, Phoenix Police Department. How can I help you? Hi, yes, my name is Mary, and I'm calling from Chase Corporate Security. We're responding to an incident that happened at, you know, 1234 Main Street here in Phoenix. Uh, we have um, a person, an individual, who is stopping customers, who is keeping them from going inside the bank or keeping them from leaving the bank, and he's keeping them there at bay for three, four minutes, and, um, you know, he's not really answering our questions as to what's going on. So he says he's a reporter, but we're not quite sure, so... Uh, we wanted to let you know, can you send someone out there? Sure thing. So then the fucking police department, the dispatcher, gives that to the police officer says, yeah, we have a you know 5'10 black individual, white shirt and blue pants. Apparently he's stopping customers. He's keeping them from their cars. He's keeping them from going inside. 
And that cop goes with information like, let's go fuck somebody up. Let's go fuck somebody. That's that's the way the cop mentality thinks. Now, this is not a police brutality podcast. This is not a screw the police podcast. I have my, my doubts, my beefs with with police on a consistent basis for various reasons that I've gone over over the last several years. This is not that podcast, okay? I do talk about these social issues. I do. But this one is just more of a procedural issue. I know that corporate security called Phoenix PD and then Phoenix PD. It's the telephone game. You can't fucking tell the same message to someone and expect that they're going to tell the same message to someone else the same exact way. So dispatcher tells the cop, yeah, you know, 510 black individual. He has an afro blue shorts and he's stopping customers from going and going out at this chase over here. And no one's quite sure what he's doing. He says he's a, a reporter, but he doesn't seem to look like a reporter. And then they go on there and they give him the fucking business. That's why I'm doing this segment right here, okay? Because we could talk about the unlawful detainment and stuff till the cows come home. I'm with Dion Rabowin 100% on that. They put him in handcuffs simply because one thing, he's he's a black guy with an afro and he doesn't look like a reporter. I get that shit all the time. I am a big Mexican man. I am a big, bald, 6'1", 290-pound Mexican man up until a couple of years ago. I had 20-inch biceps. I had huge calves, huge you know, thighs. I was a weightlifter, a powerlifter. I didn't look like a banker. I looked like a fucking meathead. And I would get that shit a lot. You know, like if I would go into the store in my gym clothes, I'd get those looks. If I'm, you know, looking at the fucking razors at the grocery store, I get those looks. If I'm wearing gym shorts, I'm wearing, quote, street clothes. And I'm just buying razors. How I'm I'm couponing. I'm using the app. I'm doing everything that the store wants. I'm putting these razors in my basket. And again, look, sir, can I help you find anything? That's code for, hey, bald, fat Mexican guy, <laughs> don't steal our shit. That's, that's the way that I felt. I felt that. And I'm a bank manager. I'm a, uh, I am a, a normal human being. Have I committed crimes? Absolutely. I've stolen things before. I wasn't stealing then. But the fact that I would get that shit. And I used to hate it when I worked at Bank of America. Because when I'd had to go to the grocery store after I would come from the bank, I'd be in the full suit and tie. And I'd have every fucking, every customer, Sir, can you tell me where the butter is? Hey, sir, where's the oatmeal? And they think I was the fucking store manager of the grocery store. So I'm like, I don't want to wear this shit. I don't want to wear this suit when I go to the store. I want to wear normal people clothes because I get those looks too. Like, hey, why is that store manager not helping me out? God damn it, I'm going to, you know, leave a bad review for him. I've had that before. I had someone say, sir, I need your help. I'm like, I don't work here. (laughs) So whenever you wear street clothes and you get those looks, you're like, this guy is a manager? This guy is a Wall Street Journal reporter? I understand that part of it. And it sucks. It sucks. I, I hate that people judge you on first appearance. I was a bank manager um, by a homeless shelter. Dude, there's some homeless people that have tens of thousands of dollars in their accounts. Don't judge a book by their cover because some people are actually well off. They just choose to be homeless. It's it's weird. It's crazy. But that's, that's the world we're living in. And that's the world that Chase Bank, C-H-A-S-E Bank, did to Dion Rabone of the Wall Street Journal. They said, yeah, we have some guy who claims to be a reporter and he's stopping our customers. Police gets that as, 
he's false imprisoning our these customers here. He's causing a scene. He's trespassing. We're going to make an example of him. And that's how he ends up in fucking handcuffs. That's how he ends up in handcuffs. So, cops acting bad, I get that 100%. It's the bank that acts bad. It's the bank that, that's, that tells you, that trains you to go out and say, Hey, yes, um, can I ask you what you're doing on our property? Oh, yes, I'm asking questions about this and that, you know, on behalf of the Wall Street Journal. Oh, okay, fine. Empower your fucking managers. You know, honestly, honestly, if the managers had said, I'd like you to leave, Dion would have left. Dion would have left, but he didn't know anything was wrong because the, quote, pussification of managers, I can't believe I used that word on a podcast, is you can't, a manager can't do anything. A manager can't actually act independently they have to go through corporate security they have to go through their boss the market leader or the regional leader or whatever the fuck so that conversation that decision making is not done by the person in the branch he calls someone from hundreds of miles away who doesn't get the context who doesn't get the understanding of what's happening just the words that person calling says that yes we have an african-american individual who's stopping our customers and asking them questions is he trying to sell Jesus to them? Is he trying to sell Amway? Is he trying to sell Herbalife? I don't know. We just like, no, we have a, a, a black guy who's trying to stop people from going in and out of the bank. Oh, okay. Well, um, okay. Thank you for letting us know. And then Chase Corporate Security calls the cops. And the person who's calling the cops is a person who's not there who understands the fucking context of what's going on. That's why Deanna Bowen was in handcuffs. It bugs me. It bugs me because the next segment I'm going to have is about a Wells Fargo executive urinating on an old lady on a flight. And 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 what why I'm mentioning it now is because the people who run the show, the people who aren't in the trenches, I'm not branch managers are in the trenches. Executives, people who don't customer interact on a daily basis can't basically tell you the demeanor of someone just by looking at them, they just have third-hand information of, oh, person stopping customers from going in. That guy must be some sort of criminal, right? And all these procedures are put in place to stop that from happening. That way you can sell your fucking stupid checking accounts. That's why DeAndre Bowen was in handcuffs. I get I get upset about this, man. I get, I get so upset about it. Because much like the Ryan Coogler incident, a phone call made by a fucking idiot bank employee. And I'm saying idiot bank employee because one, they can't understand the context of it. Two, they just honestly make uh, an assumption that someone, because of the color of their skin, of how they're dressed or what they look like, can't possibly be what he says that he is, which is a reporter for one of the most major newspapers in all the world. And they make a call saying, yeah, this guy is the, like, no. You're a banker. Ask fucking questions. Whenever you open accounts for people, you ask questions. Hey, yeah, where do you work at? Do you get direct deposit? How often have you, you know, come to Chase Bank in the past? How often do you open bank accounts at other banks? You ask questions to determine the best course of action. And in this case, these people that work for Chase are just a bunch of fucking idiots and didn't ask anything. It's like, what are you doing? I'm a reporter asking questions about this and that. Okay, call the fucking cops. Chase, I don't think Chase was necessarily trying to stifle freedom of the press. I, I really don't think that. Because they're not stupid enough 
to kick a reporter out this crazily or call the cops on them. I don't think it was that. I, I don't. Do I think it's police misconduct? Absolutely I do. Police don't think it does, but I think it does because a police officer, like a banker, is supposed to ask, ask questions to determine, hey, is this person a threat? And this guy fucking thought, this cop thought that Dion was a threat the second that he pulled up there. That's why that lady who, thank Jesus, was recording the incident, recorded the incident. That way we can break it down and say, no, this cop was a fucking idiot. This cop was stupid for doing that. Period. End of story. So, you know, I, I can go over it and over it again. But like I said, it's because the employees are told to call corporate security. Then corporate security then makes the call to the police. Is the reason why Deanna Bowen ended up in handcuffs. Because the context of what was happening in the situation got lost along the way. From when that person called corporate security, he's like, yes, we have an African-American man who is stopping our customers and, and talking to them, both when they're leaving the bank and coming in the bank. And he says he's a part of this and that. And then the corporate security person, who has no fucking ties and will never be told that they did a bad job, say, Yes, we have a call from our 1234 Main Street Chase Bank saying that there's a person stopping customers and stuff. Maybe they never said that he was a reporter when they called the cops. And that's the reason why. They just thought he was a, a homeless person. And yes, there could be some crazy homeless person that says, I'm the president of Bank of America. I'm the CEO of Chase. You get those people too. But Dion is a well-spoken, lucid person, okay? He's wearing shorts, you know, and it's Phoenix. What the fuck? It's, it's 100 degrees in November. You wear shorts. Um, you know, he's wearing a t-shirt. He's got he's got he's got his hair out. He's got his hair blowed out, and that's fine. I I you know, I worked in an institution, a bank, that just shit on your clothing options. That just shit on, oh, you have a tattoo from when you're 16 years old, and and you don't have any more tattoos. Yeah, you're gonna have to wear a bandage on that because you can't work here and have that visible tattoo on your knuckle. I mean, what the fuck? Like you can't. You can't be you. And I'm not saying, yes, you can have tattoos and you can have this and that. All he was is himself with his hair and his clothing and his demeanor. That's all he can be. You know, and, and, and that sucks. That sucks to be judged just by by your looks. If he came to me and said, hey, I'm with the Wall Street Journal. I'm asking a question about this. Would I doubt him? Um, probably not because that's a weird thing to approach someone to unless I'm being like TikTok pranked or something like that. So I really believe this person, if he walks up to me and says he's a reporter, well, if he had talks to me, I was like, yeah, I know some of your colleagues. I've talked to them before. So that part's crazy. But another part of it, and it could very well be another wrinkle, and then I'll wrap it up here. Dion's been doing some reporting, and he did a podcast, I believe, about it. And I believe he did a story about it as well about banks offering very very low interest rates to their customers interest rates meaning um percentage yields on savings accounts you know there are some smaller banks that are offering four or five percent yield on cds and savings accounts now that uh, you know in interest rates have gone up like crazy because banks are making a lot of money on interest income now that the rates are higher they're making they're going to make billions in profit 
but they're not giving that back to the customers. Chase Bank is still at 0.01% yield on a savings account. Bank of America is at 0.03%. Wells Fargo is at 0.01% yield. He was asking questions to people, and I saw one of his stories where, you know, he was talking to older people about their savings accounts, and there's some people who just like to, quote, see their money in the account. They like to see it there. They don't care if they're not making money. They just want to have, quote, easy access to it, which is a stupid old person way of thinking. I understand why they think that way, though, because my branch was in a retirement area as well. And, you know, some people said, well, like, I'm 40 years old. I'm single. I don't have any kids or a husband. This works for me. So I, I like having this savings account here. I know it's not paying me more, but I can make that decision. And people will rationalize not having higher yield savings accounts like that. But as I mentioned earlier about planting a seed. So if Dion was asking questions to these customers, and I, and I, don't, I don't know if the customers told the bankers this context, but you know, let's just say Dion theoretically said, well, you know, your bank, this savings account over here, only yields 0.01. Meanwhile, XYZ Bank is offering 3.5% annual percentage yield. How do you feel about this bank not offering you what the other bank could offer you? If he's asking the question that way, and I don't mind it, it's a good question. He's a reporter. He's supposed to ask this question. Then, if that got back to Chase workers, then I can basically see... Why they even escalated it, why they did. I know it sounds fucking crazy. It sounds crazy, but it's true. So if he said, yeah, XYZ Bank is offering 3.5% and Chase is only offering 0.01, how do you feel about your bank not offering more interest? You're, quote, planting the seed. So now that call to corporate security very well could have been, yeah, we have this guy. He claims to be from the Wall Street Journal. He's an African-American man in shorts and a T-shirt. Um, he's also telling customers not to bank here, saying that the interest rates on our savings accounts are low, and he's trying to poach customers to go to XYZ Bank, where they have a higher interest rate, and he's really just causing a commotion here, and he's impacting our customers' decisions. Then that's why he's in handcuffs, too. It's crazy, right? I, I seriously think if a customer went to a worker saying, no, no, he's asking questions about... Why your guys' interest is so low and why do we choose to stick here instead of going to a bank that off offers us more? That's possibly why he's in handcuffs. And I can go on and on about that. We've done podcasts about low interest yields uh, at big banks. I told you before, and I'll, I'll say it again, if Dion ever listens to this or anyone from Wall Street Journal listens to this, the main reason why it's 0.01 at Chase and 0.03 at Bank of America it's not necessarily to fuck some people out of interest. What it is, you know, they don't want to give a customer more money than they should. But secondarily, the reason why they do that is because they want to, quote, plant a seed. There's that fucking phrase again to a customer saying, you know, Mr. Jones, 0.01 is not a good interest yield. With times these days, interest rates going up, there are other products that you can have a lot better yield. For instance, Chase offers um, J.P. Morgan. It's our investment arm. And I can set you up with a conversation with um, an investment advisor. He can give you a best course of action. That way you can steer clear of that 0.01 and you can earn a little bit more money. Now, it's a conversation that you need to have with an advisor, not me. I can set you up an appointment for him on the phone or in person. That way you can talk about it. That's part of my sales goal as a banker is to get you to the investment part. Yes, you can earn more, but of course there's risk of loss as well. 
But that's what it's all about. My former coworker, one of my colleagues, is an investment advisor at J.P. Morgan in Phoenix. I will not say his name because I don't want him to get fired. But I can tell you one thing. I know that that's the, the way that they do it because that's exactly how we do it at B of A. Why is my interest rate so low? You know, Mr. Smith, I understand it's low. I, I agree with you. I have that same savings account. Um, because of the money in your account, what I can offer you is this conversation to maybe think about getting a higher yield. It's all a sales pitch. That's why it's there. It's there as a, quote, opportunity for a salesperson to sell you some more. So there's a lot to this DeAndre Bowen story. I am appreciative of him being interviewed by local Phoenix TV, talking about it. I was just looking at his Twitter, and of course he posted a couple times about it. Um, uh, an amazing guy, uh, a stronger person than I would be, because as you know, I can go off the fucking walls when something bad happens to me, and that's just me, you know. Um, it's important to understand the importance of a free press. It's important to understand why these stories matter. Yes, it's content for his company, and it's something that's going to be on the website or a newspaper. But it's also, you know, a job of of a media company is to inform. That way, you can make the decisions. At least that's what people say, right? So if he's talking about, hey, these interest rates are shitty, it's not necessarily shitting on Chase or Bank of America or whoever. It's basically saying, hey, you know what? There's a conversation now to be had about getting more interest on these accounts. And this is what this bank offers, and this is what this bank offers. Why are they different? That's a story. That's a podcast he did. Banks don't want you to know this stuff. I don't care. I'll tell you what you can do. Arrest me. <laughs> You're not going to arrest me. But um, kudos to Dion for being a braver person than I can be for that. Kudos to the Wall Street Journal. I have talked to so many people from the Wall Street Journal over the years. Uh, Rachel Ensign being probably the first person to actually ever acknowledge my existence as the Notorious Banker several years ago on social media. She is a really cool person, and I've been lucky enough to talk to her on a couple of occasions. Um, these are These are important people, and these are people that I understand can help so many other people. That's why I do what I do, and I interact with them. But also, these are people who are just trying to do their job. They're just trying to do their job like anyone else. And their job isn't sitting in front of a computer typing. No, man-on-the-street interviews, one-on-one, -on -one, talking to people about what bugs them. That's part of being a journalist as well. He tried to do it. He didn't have a camera or a microphone handy. It was just him and a pen pad, probably, or maybe his phone. And he got the cops called on him. It's ridiculous. So shame on the Phoenix Police Department for doing what they did. Shame on Chase Bank as a whole, particularly that fucking branch. Particularly that branch. And um, I'll, 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 I'll leave a nice little Google review for them once I find the address for it. Because, you know what, this shit's ridiculous. And consequences of misinformation whenever someone's calling the cops on someone else can get people killed. You know, I always say that Ryan Coogler was maybe a minute away from being shot by the cops. You know, he got arrested without incident pretty easily at Bank of America in Georgia. But just a little mouthiness, just a little anger and frustration, that could have ended badly. These things could have ended badly um, for Dion. So, shame on Chase Bank. 
Shame on Phoenix Police Department and kudos to DeAndre Bowen. Kudos to the Wall Street Journal for what they did. I talked about this a lot longer than I thought that I would. I'm glad that I did, though. Um, of course, I'm possibly going to talk about it on my TikTok channel, at Notorious Banker. Might actually have the video on there as well if I can rip it from one of the websites. So I really sincerely appreciate you listening to this segment of the podcast. And after uh, we come back from our brief promotional consideration, I'll do a quick hit about the, the urinating Wells Fargo executive in India. So please stick around. Hey everyone, it's James Baca, known professionally as the Notorious Banker, inviting you to go to my website, thenotoriousbanker.com. Okay, it's not a real website, it's just a domain name that forwards to a link tree, but on that link tree, you're going to see all of my links to all of my social media content on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. You're going to find links to the books that I have written on Amazon, and of course, you're going to find this podcast as well, and any other additional content that I may decide to do in the coming days, weeks, months, and years. But that domain name is going to stay the same, my friends, because I paid for it for a few years. That's www.thenotoriousbanker, all one word, .com. All right, everyone, I'm back with more Notorious Banker. Wrapping it up here with New York Times headline, Bank Executive Accused of Urinating on a Fellow Airline Passenger. You know, I, I love America. Don't get me wrong. The red, white, and blue, 50 states, all the stars and stripes and whatnot. The one weird thing about America is... The wording that we have. Accused of urinating on a fellow airline passenger. I'm sure they saw his junk. I'm sure they saw the urine. I'm sure they heard the screaming. I'm sure they smelled the urine possibly. Especially if he was drunk. Yeah, he's accused of doing it. You know, he's innocent until guilty. <laughs> you know, in a court of law. I know it's probably in India. But I just it's just weird to me that, that we still talk in these terms. Allegedly accused of. No, he did it. The question is, will it be found criminal? The executive for the Indian subsidiary of Wells Fargo was fined, or fired, excuse me, after the investigation became public. Air India faces scrutiny for how it handled the matter. So, Shankar Mishra, who is a vice president of a Wells Fargo subsidiary, and all big banks have Indian subsidiaries. I talk to people from India all the time at B of A. Facing several in charges under several Indian laws, including sexual harassment, obscenity, insulting the modesty of a woman. I love that crime. I, I it's a, it's horrible what he did, but the the wording of that crime is just it's just unique. He has been sent to judicial custody for fourteen days. It says news of the episode, which became public after the airline filed a police complaint on Wednesday, has prompted outrage on Indian social media. The delay between the event and the complaint has also raised questions as how Air India handled the situation. According to a statement from a victim, a 72-year-old woman whose name the police did not release, Mr. Mishra appeared to be drunk on the flight where it happened in business class. In a complaint written to the chairman of Air India on November 27th, the day after the flight arrived in New Delhi, the victim demanded the immediate arrest of Mr. Mr. Mishra upon landing. But against the victim's wishes, the plane's crew brought the passenger before her. He apologized and begged to be spared for the sake of his family. You know, I... I I don't, I don't get other cultures. I'm just because I'm not part of them. That's unique. That's different, though. And um, it says she wrote to um, Air India's chairman in my already distraught state. I was further disoriented by being made to confront and negotiate with the perpetrator of the horrific incident in close quarters. 
That was not the only issue she had with how the airline handled the matter. She said that the airline staff had refused to touch her urine-soaked shoes and bags, merely spraying them with disinfectant. They provided airline pajamas and socks to change into, but she refused initially refused a request for a different thing. So she wanted to move, and the airline said no. Business class is business class. You spend some good money flying across the continents. And they're like, yeah, here's some paper pajamas that we give that all the TikTokers rave about when they're transcontinental flights. Uh, they didn't want to touch her pea-soaked shoes and bags, yet they brought him to apologize, acknowledging the pee. After the flight landed, Mr. Mishra agreed to pay for the woman's belongings to be dry cleaned. Whoa, was that five bucks? It's probably five cents in India, according to a statement issued by her lawyers. They said a WhatsApp chat between the two showed that Mr. Mishra had her clothes and bags cleaned on November 28th and delivered to her on November 30th. According to the statement, her remaining grievance was with the airline, not Mr. Mishra. It is not clear why Air India waited weeks to file a complaint with the police. Late on Friday, Wells Fargo said in a statement the company held its place to the highest standards of professional and personal behavior, and that person has been fired. Oh, it's a subsidiary, but then all of a sudden Wells Fargo says, yeah, we fired him. That was a subsidiary. Why, what, are you trying to, what are you trying to hide there, Wells Fargo? The police in New Delhi, where the complaint was filed, said that Mr. Mishra's home in Mumbai, India's financial capital, was locked when the officers arrived there on Friday in connection with the case. They said that his relatives had not been cooperating with investigators. He was found and arrested in the southern state of Karnataka on Saturday. So, you know, the whole thing also is just more about... You know, the airlines and how they should handle complaints and unruly passengers and stuff like that. We're going through that a lot in America, too. We see the TikTok videos of the fucking crazy people not wanting to wear a mask a couple of years ago. Or just people that are just unruly, just drunk and disorderly, racial epithets, sexual harassment of, of passengers, of flight attendants and stuff like that. This is stuff that happens all the time. And, you know, America deals with it. And I guess India is dealing with it too. So Air India is under scrutiny for how they handle the situation. But I mean, the fact of the matter is this. This guy was an executive at Wells Fargo flying from New York to New Delhi on business. I don't know how much that flight costs, but I guarantee you it's a pretty penny. And he was probably there on business. And the one thing that I, I, I tell you that I learned so much about working um, in a big bank is Anyone who's an executive, a non-customer-facing executive, who gets to do all these cool little trips. Oh, we're going to have a meeting in another country. We're going to have a meeting over here. We're going to have a retreat in, in Scottsdale or whatever. These people act like fucking idiots whenever they're there. They, they, you know, they have a per diem. They spend a shit ton of money on food. And they get they get that reimbursed. And, of course... You probably don't get booze reimbursed, but since you don't have to pay for food, you can go a little heavy on the sauce there as well. You can get a little slammed whenever you're in these places. I know this, okay? The one work trip I did for Bank of America, I went to Dallas for training to be a manager, and they gave me $60 a day in food, which to me just is like a million dollars because I'm a couponer. So I went to Walmart, which is across the street from my hotel. I spent like $15 on stuff like sandwich meat and all that shit that way i can make sandwiches that way i could have one nice awesome dinner a day and then i could spend some money on booze so i was well satiated with food but i could drop 20 30 on you know beers or shots or whatever and i did me and this um fellow co-worker of mine from the el paso area named rebecca 
uh, got plastered three days in a row on the company's dime while we were training to be bank managers. I mean, it was awesome. It was it was an amazing time. I had a lot of fun. And you learn how to kind of finagle the system in order to maximize your per diem and all the expenses while at the same time saying, hey, while I'm here and I have a little bit of extra money, shit, let's go to the strip club. Let's get drunk. Let's get slammed. It's just amazing how that shit works. It's just everyone. And like I said, I'm no different. I was a bank manager and I wanted to do that stuff. But these executives get to do that all the fucking time. And they're the ones. They're the ones. I've talked to sex workers. I've talked to people. Um, porn stars. I, I, I on the adult video conventions going on in Vegas now. I used to go every year because I used to have a lot of friends in that industry. And they would tell me, yeah, I had this sugar daddy who was a Bank of America VP in Charlotte. And he would buy me this, he would buy me that. And it was so wild. It was so wild to hear about this other life that I will never know because I'm in Las Cruces, New Mexico, not jet-setting to all these big destinations. But I know how entitled these people are because their corporate credit card and their per diem and their hotels are paid for and they want to experience new lands. They want to take selfies. They have all these weird fucking friends at work that they want to say, oh yeah, I met this girl at this bar and we got drunk, we did this and that. I know how people act because I wanted to be that for the longest time. And then I saw how fucking gross these people are. This person going to India got shit-faced. He became unruly. And then he was either so drunk that he didn't know what the fuck he was doing. Or he knew what he was doing and he just didn't give a shit. Pees all over an old lady. Airline makes him go in front of the old lady, re-victimizes the old lady, makes him, quote, apologize. He pays for dry cleaning uh, to get rid of his piss smell, and, and, and that's it? That's it. That's, that's all that's all it's going to be done. No. Arrest him. Send him to prison. What the shit is this? This is entitlement. Like I said, bank execs, bank managers, they're entitled people. Even a branch manager, to extend, is entitled. Because most of the time, branch managers are not like white-collar people. They're working moms. They're, they're people who rose to a manager's spot from the lowest to lowest rung. So when you put them in charge of 10 people who are kind of like them, you know, working their way up or whatever, you get an entitled manager who becomes political, who becomes, you know, spiteful and resentful and jealous and thinking that everyone's trying to take their spot. So you get that weird dynamic in branches too. But whenever you get to be an executive and you get to oversee, I don't know, 50 to 100 people if more, you be you think you're God. You think that, oh, I make $100,000 a year. I get to boss all these lousy peons around and I get to fly all across the country and all across the world on the bank's dime because I'm, quote, important. That gives you a big fucking head. And this Shankar Mishra from the Indian Wells Fargo has a big fucking head he does because you know what i don't i don't i don't know what the the minimum wage is in india i'm sure it's not a lot of money at all but these subsidiaries of of wells bank of america you know all these bank jobs over there they pay as good as they would in america sometimes so if you're making even if you're making like seventy thousand dollars a year and you live in india shit you might be a millionaire in in our eyes you know what i mean like it might go a longer way there, so you become higher up the... I hate using the phrase caste system because I'm not trying to 
appropriate their culture just to make a point here but i'm just saying you become oh i'm better than these people because of how much money i make and because i have this job where i get to dress nice i get to drink for free on the airline and what like that's just the way people think and it's just so stupid it's fucking ridiculous i'm just looking at um the cost of flights from air india um, from New Delhi to New York, and it's eight hundred and twenty-seven dollars round trip for economy. Business class, four thousand two hundred and eight dollars. If we went today, four thousand eight hundred and two dollars. That ticket costs at least that much. At least that much. I'm gonna. I'm. I'm curious to see. Forty-two oh eight, forty-four ninety-two, forty-five twelve. It's four thousand dollars round trip. To fly from New Delhi, from New York to New Delhi and back again. That's a crazy amount of money. Imagine spending four G's on a fucking ticket and some dick face from Wells Fargo pees on your shoes. Give me a fucking break. I'm glad that Wells Fargo did what they did and fired him, but I hope he gets some jail time. I don't know what the laws and regulations and court stuff is in India, but I hope he gets uh, the book thrown at him, literally. That's just inappropriate, you know. I stopped drinking a couple years ago before the pandemic. I just didn't care for it anymore. I love to party in Vegas. I love to have a good time. And, yeah, of course it helped, you know, meeting women, interacting with friends and stuff like that. But once you're sober, once you're in that moment of clarity where you're like, you know what, I'm confident. I can meet girls without this stuff. I can talk to people without this stuff. It's an empowering thing, and I will never, you know, belittle someone for wanting to have a drink every now and then, but to get this fucking drunk and to pee on an old lady in a flight, not, not to mention it's not, you know, El Paso to Tucson, it's New York City to fucking India, and they have to smell your piss, she has to deal with your piss the whole flight, fuck that, go to prison. Wells Fargo, thank you for at least acknowledging this idiot and getting rid of him because I, I don't know what I would have done if he would still had a job. All right, and that's going to do it. My name is James Baca, known professionally as Notorious Banker. You can find me on Twitter at BankBetterGuy, at Notorious Banker on TikTok, at Notorious Banker on Instagram. I am the author of High Risk Transaction, the Ryan Coogler Bank of America incident, available in paperback and Kindle format on Amazon. I am writing three books, hoping to publish all of them by my 40th birthday in April. Got one about Zell. Got one about New Mexico State basketball. I know that's interesting. And I got one. I just want to announce it really quick. I'm writing a comedy book about turning 40. It's not going to be a thousand-page book. It's going to be just a little humorous book. I saw someone writing a book very similar to that. And I was like, I could do a better job at that. So I'm trying to write that and trying to publish that on Amazon as well. Um, things are good. 2023 is going to be hopefully an amazing year for yours truly, the Notorious Banker. And, and hopefully, you know, this world, this world is just going too crazy at times. And I just want things to be better for this world and its people. And if I can do my small part in helping people find out about bad banks, unethical banks, if I can tell people um, things from my area of expertise, then I feel like I've done my part in this world. So once again, my friends, um, another podcast really, really soon or as Breaking News Warrants. But my name again is James Baca, known professionally as the Notorious Banker, signing off saying thank you so very much for listening to this podcast. 
I really appreciate it, and we hope to see you back again next time. You have a great day.